Chapter 10 of Raiding with Morgan by Byron Dunn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Hartsville. When Bragg evacuated Kentucky, his weary army found rest at Murfreesboro. This little city is 32 miles southeast of Nashville, situated on the railroad leading from Nashville to Chattanooga. It had already become famous by the capture of a federal brigade there in August by General N. B. Forrest, and was destined to become the theater of one of the greatest battles of the war. In the Federal Army, a great change had taken place. General Buell had been relieved from command, and General W. Rosicrans, the hero of the Battle of Corinth, appointed in his place. This general assembled his army at Nashville. Thus the two great armies were only 32 miles apart, with their outposts almost touching. Bragg, believing that it would be impossible for Rosecrans to advance before spring, established his army in winter quarters, and the soldiers looked forward to two or three months of comparative quiet. Rosecrans' first duty was to reopen the Louisville and Nashville Railroad, which had been so thoroughly destroyed by Morgan. An army of men did the work, a work which took them weeks to accomplish. But it was not in the nature of Morgan to be quiet. Not only he, but his men fretted in camp life. Its daily routine with its drills did not suit them. Their home was the saddle, and they wanted no other. Therefore, Morgan began to look around in search of a weak point in the Federal lines. For this purpose, Calhoun and his scouts were kept busy. They seemed to be omnipresent, now here, now there. They would ride in between the Federal posts, learn of the citizens where the enemy were posted, and whether their camps were guarded with vigilance or not. Many a prisoner was picked up, and much valuable information obtained. In this way, Morgan soon knew, as well as the Federal commander himself, how his troops were posted, and the number at each post. Taking everything into consideration, Calhoun reported that Hartsville offered the best opening for an attack. It is the extreme eastern outpost of the Federals, he said. The nearest troops to them are at Castilian Springs, nine miles away. The country from here to Hartsville is entirely free of Federal troops, and we can approach the place unobserved. The Cumberland River is low and can be forded, but if you wish... I will go and make a thorough reconnaissance of the place. Go and be back as soon as possible, replied Morgan. But be careful. Do not take too many risks. With a dozen of his trusty scouts, Calhoun had no trouble in reaching the bank of the Cumberland River opposite Hartsville. Here, concealed in the woods, through his glass, he noted the position of every regiment and drew a map of the camp but he was not satisfied with this. Under the cover of darkness, he crossed the river, determined to learn more. Above all, he wished to learn where the enemy's pickets were posted at night, their exact force, as nearly as possible, and the discipline which they were under. He wanted to do all this without alarming them. After crossing the river, he concluded to call at a commodious farmhouse situated some three miles from Hartsville. He was almost certain of a hearty welcome. There were few disloyal to the south in that section. 
At first, he was taken for a federal soldier in disguise, and admittance was refused. But once the inmates were convinced that he was one of Morgan's men, the heartiness of his welcome made up for the coldness of his first reception. The planter was well posted. There was one brigade at Hartsville. Until a few days before, the brigade had been commanded by a Colonel Scott, but he had been relieved by a Colonel Moore. This Moore was the colonel of one of the regiments at Hartsville, and had been in the service but a short time. Most of the troops were raw and inexperienced. Calhoun was glad to hear all this. In the morning, dressed as a rough country boy, he made a circuit of the entire place. This he did by going on foot and keeping to the fields and woods. The location of every picket post was carefully noted, and the best way to approach each one. In two or three instances, he did not hesitate to approach soldiers who were foraging outside of the lines, and, in a whining tone, entered into conversation with them, informing them he was looking for some of his father's pigs. "'Mighty afraid some of you Yanks got him," he said with a sigh. "'No doubt, Sonny, no doubt,' replied a soldier with a hearty laugh. "'You see, if a pig comes up and grunts at the flag, we have a right to kill him for the insult offered. Probably your pigs were guilty of this heinous crime and were sacrificed for the good of the country.' "'Do you ins means the Yanks have em? asked Calhoun. "'Undoubtedly, Sonny. What are you going to do about it?' "'Go tell Dad,' replied Calhoun, as he limped off, for he pretended to be lame. Calhoun found that the post was picketed much more strongly to the east than the west, for Castilian Springs lay to the west, and the Federals had no idea that an attack would come from that direction. If attacked, the Confederates would try to force the ford, or they would come from the east. For this reason, Calhoun decided that Morgan should cross the river in between Hartsville and Castilian Springs, and assault from the west. There was a ferry two miles below Hartsville where the infantry could cross the river, but the cavalry would have to go to a ford seven miles or within two miles of Castilian Springs. To his surprise, but great gratification, he found neither the ferry nor the ford guarded. Calhoun recrossed the river in safety, and, joining his scouts, whom he had left on the southern side of the river, he lost no time in making his way back to Murfreesboro. Morgan heard his report with evident satisfaction. "'Our only danger,' said Calhoun, as he finished his report, "'is from the force at Castilian Springs.' From what I could learn, there are at least 5,000 Federals there. To be successful, we must surprise the camp at Hartsville, capture the place, and recross the river before the force from the springs can reach us. A hard thing to do, but I believe it can be done. So do I, said Morgan. With General Bragg's consent, I will start at once. General Bragg not only gave his consent, but owing to the importance of the expedition, added to Morgan's cavalry brigade two regiments of infantry and a battery. The force marched to within five miles of Hartsville and halted until night. The night proved very dark, and the way was rough. There was but one small ferry boat in which to cross the infantry, and it was 5.30 in the morning 
before the infantry were all across, and in position two miles from Hartsville. The cavalry had had even a rougher time than the infantry, and one large regiment had not yet reported. But Morgan determined not to wait, for it would soon be light and they would be discovered. So, with 1,300 men, Morgan moved to capture a Federal brigade of over 2,000, and in a position of their own choosing. To Calhoun and his scouts was assigned the difficult but important task of capturing the outposts without alarming the camp. The success of the whole movement might depend upon this. So adroitly did Calhoun manage it that the surprised pickets were captured without firing a gun, nor was the Confederate force discovered until they were within 400 yards of the Federal camp and advancing in line of battle. It was now getting light, and a Negro camp follower discovered them and gave the alarm. The Federals, having been taken by surprise, and most of the officers and men being raw and inexperienced, a consternation reigned in the camp. But they formed their lines, and for a few moments put up a brave fight. Then their lines broke. Colonel Moore did not seem to have his brigade well in hand, and each regiment fought more or less independently. In a short time, only the 104th Illinois Regiment was left on the site of the camp to continue the battle. Although this regiment had been only three months in the service and had never been in an engagement before, under the command of their brave Lieutenant Colonel Douglas Hapman, they did not surrender until they were entirely surrounded and nearly 200 of their number had been shot down. Morgan warmly complimented this regiment on its bravery, saying, if all the regiments had been like it, the result of the contest would have been doubtful. In one hour and a quarter after the battle opened, all was over. A whole brigade had laid down their arms to the prowess of Morgan. But now a new danger arose. Calhoun had been sent towards Castilian Springs to watch the enemy in that direction. One of his scouts came dashing in with the intelligence that 5,000 Federals were hurrying to the relief of Hartsville. They must be stopped, and time given to get the prisoners and munitions of war across the Cumberland. Morgan hurried two regiments to where Calhoun and his little band of scouts were resisting the advance of the enemy. The show of strength made halted the Federals, and a precious hour and a half was gained. In this time, by almost superhuman efforts, Morgan had succeeded in crossing the prisoners and his men to the south side of the Cumberland. They were now safe from pursuit. It was during the fight, with the approaching reinforcements, that an incident happened which caused Calhoun many hours of uneasiness. During the hottest of the engagement, a ball, evidently fired from the rear, grazed his cheek. He thought little of it, supposing someone had fired in his rear, not seeing him. But in a moment, a ball passed through his hat. Wheeling suddenly, to his surprise, he saw Captain Conway with a smoking revolver in his hand. "'You are shooting carelessly, Captain,' exclaimed Calhoun, angrily riding up to him. For a moment, the captain cowered. Then, recovering himself, he said, "'You are mistaken, Lieutenant. It was someone in the rear. The same balls came close to me.' Just then, the order was given to fall back, and Conway rode hastily away. 
There was no direct proof, but Calhoun was certain Conway had tried to kill him. More than one man has been disposed of in time of battle by a personal enemy. Many an obnoxious officer has bitten the dust in this manner. Calhoun could only bide his time and watch. But he now firmly believed his life was in more danger from Conway than it was in battle with the Federals. Hartsville, considering everything, was one of the greatest victories Morgan ever won, as he captured a whole brigade with a vastly inferior force. The Federals lost and killed, wounded and captured, 2,100 men. Of these, nearly 300 were killed and wounded. Morgan's actual force engaged was only 1,300, and of these he lost 140, a small loss considering he was the assaulting party. The capture of Hartsville caused the utmost chagrin in the Federal Army, and not only in the Army, but throughout the North. Even President Lincoln telegraphed, asking for full particulars. General Halleck ordered the dishonorable dismissal of Colonel Moore, but the order was never carried into effect. Of his bravery, there was no question. The victory caused the name of Morgan to be more feared than ever. Morgan is coming, was a cry which caused fear and trembling in many a Yankee's heart. President Davis of the Confederate States, shortly after the capture of Hartsville, visited Murfreesboro, and as a reward for his services, presented Morgan with a commission as Brigadier General in the Confederate Army. General Hardy asked that he be made a Major General. Hardy knew Morgan and appreciated his worth, but for some reason... President Davis refused the request. End of chapter 10